Recapping the win over the Bearcats, the Big Ten stinks, a questionable scheduling matrix from the Big 12, it's Bedlam Week, and a whole lot more. This is Pete's Playbook. That's not true! So get your facts straight. Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. It is time for another edition of the Pete's Playbook Podcast. I want to thank all you guys for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan McKee. Then the Pokes got the win over the Bearcats, 45-13 to at home last Saturday. It was a great game. It was freaking cold, but we got the win. Ollie Gordon again goes off, 271 yards rushing, two touchdowns. He also had four receptions for another 21 yards. Had himself another game. And folks, this was not a close one, 45-13. That's what we wanted to see, right? Defense come out, comes out and plays well. The offense comes out and puts up 45 points. We finally put it all together, and what a time to do it going into the Bedlam week. But let's recap this game real quick. Alan Bowman goes 17 of 34, 286 yards passing for two touchdowns. He did have one interception. Uh, again, Ollie Gordon, 25 carries, 271 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Elijah Collins also had three carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. And Brennan Presley had four carries for 11 yards and a touchdown. Uh, receiving, Leon Johnson comes out of nowhere. Five catches, 149 yards. Rashad Owens, three catches for 45. Brennan Presley, three catches for 39. Uh, Josiah Johnson, uh, one catch for 29. He had a touchdown. Brennan Presley also had a touchdown. Uh, again, Ollie Gordon, four catches, 21 yards. And Braden Cassidy had a catch in this game as well. So, pretty good game offensively all the way around. Uh, we got Brendan Presley in space. We got him involved. We got Ollie Gordon obviously going. Uh, had a big second half. And if I'm doing my math right here, rushing Cincinnati at 277 yards. And Ollie Gordon had 271 by himself. So, he almost outrushed their entire team. Uh, receiving... They had 165 yards. We had 286. Uh, not real close there. Big uh, big game offensively for for the Pokes. And defensively, Nick Martin keeps it going. 12 tackles, one sack. Uh, four of those were solo tackles. Uh, Trey Rucker had a good game. Eight, uh, eight tackles as well. They did have one interception again. Cameron Epps. Um, it was a good game. It was a good game. It's a good day all the way around, other than the weather being absolutely terrible. Uh, we did have one Ollie Gordon fumble. He got a little upset about it on the sideline. Mike Gundy talked to him, and after that, the dude was absolutely unstoppable. So, uh, good game from Ollie Gordon. Um, looking at Cincinnati, they had one fumble lost as well, so from Emory Jones. But, again, defense just played solid. They did have the two turnovers. We had a turnover, so again, we win the turnover battle, but it was a good game all around. I just wish it wasn't 20 degrees outside and raining the entire time, but, you know, can't can't be perfect forever, but it's a good weekend. I got no complaints here, and uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, because while the weather sucked, what also sucks is the Big Ten. Absolutely terrible. The worst Power five scoring offenses in college football through week nine. This is from College Football Report. Number one, Michigan State. Number two, Indiana. Number three, Iowa. Number four is Arizona State. Number five, Nebraska. 
Number six, Illinois. Number seven, Minnesota. Number eight's Utah. New Big 12 team there again. So not a good look for them. Number nine, Northwestern. And number 10, Purdue. If my math is adding up right here, eight of those top 10 worst Power 5 scoring offenses are in the Big 10. And then you go and you look at some of the defensive ranks across college football, and you see Michigan up at the top. You see Iowa up at the top. And it begs the question, you see Ohio State up at the top, and it begs the question, why are we ranking these as good defenses? When you're going up against a Michigan State that averages 18 points per game, or an Indiana that averages 18.6 points per game, or even the best of these, Purdue, that's averaging 21.9 points per game. Can we stop pretending like the Big Ten is good at football? Outside of Ohio State and, I guess, Michigan, who else in this conference is worth anything? There's no offense to be had anywhere. Iowa is a complete regression of college football because they have just abandoned the forward pass. And then you listen to the national media and they sit there and prop up the Big Ten defenses as some of the best in the country. Not really. They're playing the worst offenses in the country by every metric. So is it good defense or is it just terrible offense? Well, the stats would tell you that it's just terrible offense. It's pretty easy to not give up a whole lot of points when... The teams you're playing couldn't score on air. The Big Ten stinks. Can we please stop pretending that they're good? But whatever. We're moving on. We're moving on. Another thing that sucks, in my opinion, is the new Big 12 scheduling matrix. What is this? So you only have four protected rivals, and only two of those rivalry games are for existing Big 12 members. So the four rivalry games that will happen every year is Arizona-Arizona State, Yawn. BYU-Utah. Love it. Holy War should forever be a protected rivalry. Baylor-TCU. I didn't even know that was a rivalry. Kansas-Kansas State. Traditionally, yawn. Nowadays, it's a pretty good game. But they missed so many. First off, you're already losing the second longest tenured rivalry game in Bedlam. But you still have the longest tenured rivalry game in Farmageddon, Kansas State and Iowa State. And you don't protect it. So that one's gone as well. You also got rid of Baylor-Texas Tech, which I would think would be a better rivalry game than Baylor-TCU. Again, I didn't even realize that was a rivalry game. There's no West Virginia-Cincinnati. There's no Cincinnati-UCF. There's no Colorado-Utah. None of this exists. Oklahoma State-Kansas State. Oklahoma State-Texas Tech. I realize none of these are huge rivalries, but when you've got teams like... Oklahoma State and Texas Tech that don't necessarily hate each other, but when it comes to that game, they do. They talk a lot of smack at each other. And you don't you don't give Oklahoma State a protected rival? A one team that they play every year create a rivalry out of it? You don't give Kansas State anything other than Kansas? You don't give Texas Tech anything? I mean, that fan base is just itching to hate somebody, and you don't give them anything. West Virginia's got nothing. Iowa State's got nothing. What are we doing? You could have done one or two or three protected rivals for every team on this schedule and rotate everybody else in and out, but instead you picked four games, one of which didn't even realize there was a rivalry. The other one is Arizona-Arizona State, which nobody watches anyways. So I don't get it, and it needs to be fixed because 
I mean, it probably won't be fixed. They've already released it for the next four years. But it's not good. And I haven't seen anybody that's happy with the current schedule that's out. So not a great move by the Big 12. But what are you going to do? It's already out there now. In some good news, college basketball's back. And for those of you that didn't watch, the Cowboys take on the Bison from Oklahoma Baptist. It was pretty fun to watch. Oklahoma State has a very, very young team. And while that is a normal thing to be worried about, the freshmen in this game were the best part of it. This is no knock on Bryce Thompson. He's a good player. This is no knock on John Michael Wright. He's a good player. But Eric Daly Jr., wow. Brandon Garrison, holy crap. Connor Dow, dang, not a freshman. Transfer, I get it. But, wow. All of these new guys, we've got three returning guys from last year's team. That's it. So we've got all these new players, and the best part of this game was all the new players. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing at this moment, but what I saw against what is undoubtedly not a great team, comparatively, for their level, OBU is a good team. They're also very young. But what I saw from this Oklahoma State team was a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, a lot of size, and finally, finally, somebody that can hit a dang three-pointer. Somebody that can shoot the ball consistently. Connor Dow walks in, pulls up on the second possession after he gets in the game from three, and knocks it down. No questions asked, runs to the other end, no big deal. And then does it two more times, ends the game with 11 points. That's... That's what this team has been missing. We've had nothing to spread the floor. Nobody's respecting the three-point line against this Oklahoma State team for the last three years. So we haven't anybody that can shoot it. Now we do, and he's not the only one. Now, there was still a lot of one-on-one basketball being played, which I'm not a huge fan of, but that's the world we live in today, unfortunately. But if you can mitigate the one-on-one play, you can mitigate the turnovers from the younger guys, they play well together. A lot of great passes, great vision across the floor. The big men, Eric Daly, Mike Marsh, all these guys, great passing, which was, again, another thing last year that just drove me insane was how bad the passing was. And this year, from, again, what we saw in this one exhibition game, passing looked good. The vision was there. The passes were being made. There were a few questionable ones, but that's expected from a lot of young guys on the floor at the same time. But this team looked good. I am not at all prepared to say that this is definitely a tournament team or anything like that, but it's a solid showing from an exhibition game. We will learn more very shortly, and hopefully we learn good things. But basketball predictions coming next week. Moving on to... Pete's picks and projections. So, looking at the rundown for this week, uh, just finishing up before recording this was Texas Tech and TCU uh, on Thursday at 6 p.m. Texas Tech wins the game 35-28. They just had a solid performance. TCU turned the ball over too many times, and again, going down to hopefully score a touchdown to tie it up. They throw another interception. So, TCU really beat themselves in this game. They had 353 passing yards, but they also had a lot of turnovers. And they also only had 82 rushing yards. So, had a chance to win it. Probably should have, but that's what happens when you have a freshman quarterback that 
it just isn't used to this level. So, moving on. 2.30 on Saturday. Baylor hosting Houston. Um, I've got Houston winning this game. I have zero faith in Dave Aranda and Baylor. I don't know how they went from what they were two years ago and even a pretty solid team last year to being what they are this year. But for whatever reason, I have more faith in Houston to get in, come in here and win this game than I do Baylor to defend their home territory. So, yeah, that's what that game is. Also at 2.30, we've got Cincinnati hosting UCF. What, something that I think could be a uh, rivalry game, but I digress. Uh, I've got Cincinnati winning this game. Uh, UCF is favored in this game, but... Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to change that mid-pod. I got UCF winning this game. I don't know why. Gut feeling. I like UCF. 6 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, 6 o'clock on Saturday. Iowa State hosting Kansas. As an Oklahoma State fan, we need Kansas to win this game. That gives Iowa State another loss. Takes them out of the tiebreaker for first place in which we would lose the head-to-head. So we need Kansas to win this game. The data has Kansas winning this game, but the dad also doesn't like Iowa State because they're so bad on offense. But their defense is so good that they keep winning games. So, night game in Jack Trice probably should go with Iowa State, but I'm going to pick based off of what I need from this week, and I'm going Kansas. At 11 a.m., we've got Texas hosting Kansas State on big noon kickoff. Uh, surprising one here, the data has Kansas State winning. Every talking head on Twitter is picking Kansas State to win this game. We need Kansas State to win this game as a member of the Hateful Eight. And I want Kansas State to win this game so bad. So I'm picking Kansas State. Don't let me down. At 6 p.m., West Virginia is hosting BYU. Uh, Not a whole lot to talk about here. I've got West Virginia winning. BYU is kind of spiraling right now. And uh, West Virginia's kind of picked it back up uh, after their win last week. So, yeah, I've got West Virginia winning that game. And the main event for this weekend is obviously Bedlam. And the data is uh, still not liking us a whole lot on that one. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll dive into that later when we cover Bedlam. But So, recapping, I've got uh, Houston beating Baylor in Waco. I've got UCF beating Cincinnati in Cincinnati. I've got Kansas beating Iowa State in Ames, and I've got Kansas State beating Texas in Austin, and then West Virginia taking care of business at home. That is a lot of upsets, and I'm probably going to regret it, but that's what I'm going with. So there we go. Looking at the conference projections, it is finally, finally caught up with a little bit of reality. Obviously, one, two, actually one, tied for first across the board is... OU, Texas, Kansas State, OSU, and Iowa State currently. Projections-wise, OU's at 1. 11-1, 8-1, they do not have, the numbers do not have the Sooners losing this weekend. Have them going undefeated the rest of the season and uh, being the one seed in the Big 12 championship game. Tied for second is Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. I absolutely love this because it has Kansas State beating Texas, all three of us being tied, and we would hold the head-to-head over Kansas State. The next highest common opponent between us and Texas would be Kansas State, which we beat and Texas didn't. That makes us 
the two seed in the Big 12 championship game. That is what the data suggests at this point in the season, and I hope it comes true. Tied for fifth is Kansas and West Virginia, uh, both at six and three in conference. At seven is Iowa State at five and four, and Texas Tech. At nine is TCU at three and six, and then a one, two, three, four-way tie for tenth. At two and seven is UCF, BYU, Houston, Baylor, and then at fourteen is Cincinnati at one and eight. Looking through some of the stats leaders in the Big 12 currently, uh, OU does lead in passing yards per game and points per game. They no longer lead in points allowed per game after the loss to Kansas State. Uh, Texas is leading in rushing yards allowed per game. Kansas State is now the leader in points allowed per game at just 15.9. So that's a big win for the Pokes to have gotten earlier this season. Looking at Oklahoma State, uh, these numbers look so much better than they did at the beginning of the season. Um, but still not leading or trailing in anything, but above average across the board. And that's, uh, that's all you can ask for. Now averaging over 30 points a game. Wow. Who would have thought that we would be here after the way this season started? But thank God. Uh, Kansas, average across the board, above average across the board. Uh, really good on offense. They're okay on defense. West Virginia is last in the Big 12 in passing yards per game, um, but rushing yards per game, they're averaging over 200 yards a game. So uh, pretty good there. Iowa State has the best defense as far as total yards per game allowed goes at just 326. They're also only giving up 19.8 points a game. Um, So that's where they keep winning. Texas Tech... Average across the board. TCU average across the board. UCF is the one that makes zero sense. They average the most rushing yards per game, total yards per game. They give up the least amount of passing yards a game, but they also give up the most amount of rushing yards per game. And they're 0-4 right now. How does What is happening? You lead the Big 12 in three different stats, and you trail the Big 12 in one, and you can't win a game. They're going to get their shot this weekend against Cincinnati. Again, I've got them winning that game. I don't count it. Beat an original Big 12 member and we'll talk. BYU, last in the Big 12 in rushing yards a game, last in the Big 12 in total yards a game. Pretty solid on defense. Not a whole lot else to talk about. I love BYU, but you got to figure out how to score some points, man. They are now averaging less points per game than they're scoring or than they're giving up. So, not a good mixture there. Houston, last in the Big 12 in passing yards allowed, total yards allowed, and points allowed in the Big 12. Again, averaging less points scored than allowed per game. Not good. Baylor, least amount of points scored per game in the Big 12 at 22.5. Really bad. They're giving up 30 points a game. Bad recipe for wins. Cincinnati, just not great across the board. They're not the worst at anything, but they're not really good at anything. So, you get this, which is scoring 25 points a game. You're giving up 28 points a game, which are close numbers, but it's led to zero wins in the Big 12. So, not looking good for Cincinnati in their inaugural Big 12 year. Uh, They are rushing for 222 yards a game, which is surprising, but you got to score points. I mean, you're averaging 445 yards total a game. 
and 25 points. That's not adding up there. That makes no sense to me. So, uh, yeah, at one projected OU, tied at two, Texas, Kansas State, and OSU, tied at five, Kansas and West Virginia, tied at seven, Iowa State and Texas Tech, at nine is TCU, tied at 10 is UCF, BYU, Houston, and Baylor, and 14 is Cincinnati. Uh, Obviously, this doesn't take into account head-to-head wins. Uh, We'll roll into that as we get closer to the end of the season, but that's what we got right now. Current Big 12 standings, and what a turnaround this has been. A 1, 2, 3, 4, 5-way tie for first place amongst Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas, all at 4-1. Obviously, we've got Bedlam this weekend. And then we've got Kansas State and Texas this weekend. And then the fifth team tied for first plays Kansas, who is one game back. So the top six teams in the Big 12 right now all play each other this weekend. This is going to be wild. But uh, looking at national ranks, uh, CFP rankings now, not AP rankings. Uh, You've got Texas at 7, Oklahoma at 9, Kansas State at 23, Oklahoma State at 22 and Kansas at 21. It doesn't make sense, but South Alabama is going to haunt us for the rest of the season. So we'll take it. At least we're ranked now. Looking at the rest of the rankings here, tied at six is Kansas and West Virginia, both at three and two. Uh, at eight is Texas Tech at three and three. Tied at nine is BYU and Baylor at two and three. Uh, 11 right now is TCU at two and four. Obviously, Texas Tech and TCU have played an extra game. Uh, at 12 is Houston at 1-4, and four, surprising. And bringing up the rear is UCF and Cincinnati, both at 0-5. So 0-5, not 0-4. I misspoke earlier. Oh, well. But Oklahoma State holds the keys to the rest of this season. You don't even have to win this weekend to make it to a Big 12 championship game. Obviously, you do so and you don't screw up the rest of the season, you're in, no matter what. You hold the keys to your own destiny, just win the games, and you're in. But let's say we don't lose, or we don't win this weekend. We lose this weekend, we're now at 4-2 and two in conference. If Kansas State wins, and Kansas wins, then that gives you a 1-2-3-4-way tie for second, a 3-way tie for first, in which, I'm sorry, it gives you a four-way tie for second, a two-way tie for first, in which we would hold tiebreakers over everybody tied for second except for Iowa State, who still has to play a brutal end of the season. So, uh, still leaves a lot of openings for a Big 12 championship game, even if you don't win this weekend, but obviously we all want to win this weekend, and we need it to happen. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. It is OU hate week, and it is in full swing, and I am just living it up. I work with a lot of OU fans, as I'm sure a lot of OSU fans do, and this week is usually hell. But for whatever reason, none of the OU fans that I work with are chirping in my ear this week. And I think it's because they know about Ollie Gordon. Nobody can stop this guy. Every Big 12 team that we've played so far has tried, and nobody's succeeded. Why we weren't handing it to him at the beginning of the season is beyond me, but we're not going to get into that. We are eight games in, and nobody can stop him. 
just hand him the ball. And this is coming off the week where OU gave up 225 rushing yards to Kansas. Feed Ollie. Win the game. It's simple. It's very simple. You want to prove everybody wrong that this team is not as bad as everybody thinks it is. You got to win this game. You want Ollie Gordon to have any shot at being in New York. You got to win this game. He is definitely Heisman talent caliber. Heisman Trophy winners are only there because they're winning games. Feed Ollie. Win the game. Look at the matchup predictor on ESPN. ESPN's only giving us a 19.3% chance to win this game. I find that very surprising, considering OU's only a six-point favorite. But, taking into account history and all of that, I get it. No respect. I get it. We're used to it. Also, 230 kick. How criminal is that? But it's fine. There is a very easy way that Oklahoma State wins this game. And it is to do the opposite of what Oklahoma State traditionally does in this game. Usually, we come out of the tunnel, kickoff happens, and we look tight. We look nervous and like we're just trying not to lose the game. You cannot do that. This is the last bedlam for at least a decade. And Mike Gundy says, oh, it's, you know, it's just another game. It's not that big a deal. It's no different than any other week. It's different. It should be different. Oklahoma is leaving the Big 12. They did so for their own benefit, and that's fine. Anybody else got that same deal? They're taking it. If the SEC had called us instead, we'd be taking that deal. I got no issues with them leaving. What I do have an issue with is all of the OU talking heads and the OU fans that are like, oh, well, Bedlam's only ending because Mike Gundy's too scared to play us. When in reality, Bedlam's only ending because you decided to leave, which is fine. That's a totally rational decision to make the jump to the SEC. It's more money. And at the end of the day, college football is now a business which is dependent on money. But don't sit here and act like Bedlam's ending because we don't want to play that game anymore. When everybody knows non-conference games are scheduled a decade in advance. And if Oklahoma State was really too scared to play SEC teams or, or Power 5 teams or whatever, why'd we schedule Oregon? Why'd we schedule Arkansas? Why did we schedule Alabama? We're not scared to play this game. We don't have an open slot for the next 10 years. And just because the SEC only plays eight conference games is the only reason you do. So let's not sit here and pretend like Bedlam's dying because Oklahoma State doesn't want to play it. No, Bedlam's dying because you made the decision to leave. So do not come out scared in this game. Get pissed off, play with a chip on your shoulder, play for the guy next to you, and go knock him in the mouth from the get-go and don't stop until somebody pulls you off. Go win the game. Throw the kitchen sink at it. Because while the record of Bedlam football is not good for us, win the last one and we can talk about it forever. And I will never let them live it down. And who knows, maybe... You know, maybe Brent Venables will be on his way to USC if we win this game after this season because it's looking like you know, Lincoln Riley was in Vegas this week after the Raiders fired their head coach. So, I don't know. Who knows? But jump on them early. Don't let off. Keys to the game. Feed Ollie. Super easy. Defensively, OU gave up a lot of rushing yards, but they also proved that they can turn the ball over. Dylan Gabriel had an interception, should have had two. They had two fumbles, lost in this game. They had three turnovers in this game. 
They also had a lot of penalties in this game. They are not the unbeatable war machine that everybody thought that they were at the beginning of this season. And by everybody, I mean ESPN and AP voters. Those are about the only people that thought they were. And while this team did make significant improvements from last year's 6-7 and seven team, they're not the OU of old. They are still a very beatable team. The defense is still not unbeatable. Again, Kansas rushed for 225 yards, four touchdowns, run the ball. But they also threw for 218 yards, which is not bad. All of it, except for a few, was short passing. Well, that's all we do. Now, they did have three long uh, passes, 37, 39, 24. The rest of those were all 10 yards or less. So, the defense kind of plays right into our hands here. Defensively on this game, we've got to get turnovers. Dylan Gabriel proved last week that he cannot beat you with his arm. They only threw for 171 yards. Now, they only threw the ball like 19 times. Yeah, he was 14 of 19, 171 yards, one interception, zero touchdowns. He threw that interception, and they never tried to throw the ball. Again, this team is very beatable. All you have to do is show up and play the game that you know how to play. Do not be scared. Treat this game different, because it is different. Now come out and do your job. Stay in your lane, per se, but get a little pissed off. It's okay to have a little bit of an attitude every once in a while. It's okay to talk a little bit of smack. Ask Mike Gundy. Now, while I totally understand where he's coming from, that while he's watching film, he doesn't look at specific players. He just looks at scheme and things like that. But he kind of calls out Trace Ford a little bit. They asked him, hey, did you notice anything when you were watching film You know about Trace Ford? He said, well, I've watched a lot of film on him and... Honestly, I didn't notice anything. I don't remember seeing him do anything. Well, Trace Ford took that to heart and got a little mad about it and said, I can't wait to play him. I can't wait to see his face. If he hasn't seen me on a film yet, I hope he does this weekend. And then goes on to say that, you know, he doesn't care that I left and whines and cries and all this stuff. Trace Ford can just keep whining and crying. You know why he doesn't care that you left? Because he replaced you with Nick Martin, who's an absolute beast. He doesn't care that you left because the guy that came in behind you is currently doing better than you in the Big 12 in the same position. He doesn't care that you left because you have 10 total sacks on the season. Or 10 total tackles on the season, sorry. And Anthony Goodlow has 26. He doesn't care that you left because Gundy's already said, if you don't want to be here... We don't want you here. And he didn't notice you on film because what have you done this year? So if you want to keep whining and crying because I just didn't feel like they wanted me there or that they cared. But you can take that attitude right down the highway to Norman like you did because that's what they're good at. And you can leave it there. And you can have fun with that. (laughs) And to Jim Traber and everybody on the sports animal saying, well, this is just proof that, you know, Gundy doesn't care about his players, and he calls them all by their number and not their name, and he's going to have a real problem keeping Colin Oliver and Kendall Daniels and Ollie Gordon in Stillwater. Colin Oliver and Kendall Daniels already had the option to leave. You think they didn't have people calling them last year? And yeah, Ollie Gordon's going to have people calling him this year. But if you just look at the guy, he looks completely happy, always smiling. And Gundy has straight up 
addressed everything that you brought up that they are calling players by their names now. He's sat down with every player on the team and had a conversation with them and got to know them, where they want to be in the future, what they need to do to get there. So miss me with the the crap that the sports animal comes up with half the time. And let's not act like Gundy's going to have some problem keeping the players on the team and that he's disconnected from the locker room. The players that left last year left because the locker room was split. I think some demands were made by a certain individual, and he was told no. And he got mad, and he decided he was going to transfer. And then nobody called him. And he started talking crap to all the other players, and some of them took his side and some of them didn't, and the ones that did also left. How'd that work out for Spencer Sanders? How'd that work out for Boogie? The only person it did work out for was Muhammad going to Washington. That's a good team. How'd that work out for Trace Ford? You got 10 total total tackles on the season. How'd that work out for John Paul Richardson? Oh, I'm transferring to TCU. They were just in the national championship game. Yeah, we were also 4-5. and So, the guys on this team want to be here. That's why they are here. Another person you can ask on whether or not it's okay to talk a little bit of smack and have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder is the boss. So Mike Gundy talked a little bit about how this rivalry has changed over the years and how used to he had to worry about certain parties that he would go to in Stillwater and whether or not OU players were going to be there because that was a fight waiting to happen and how Brian Bosworth would spit in his face and Gundy would spit back in his face while they're on the field and how heated the rivalry was between the players off the field and how that's different nowadays because some of these guys are friends off the field. They have the same trainers, they have the same agent, whatever. They were on the same team. These guys know each other, so it's different on the field. And man, did Brian Bosworth take this the total wrong way and tweets at Gundy saying, oh, Big Brother still wants to whoop up on, on Little Brother. How about, how about we meet this Saturday at your place, let's say the 50-yard line, so we can exchange pleasantries the old-fashioned way. Basically trying to pick a fight. Dude, drop the steroids, man. It's not that serious. He wasn't talking any type of smack on you or OU. He was just talking about how the rivalry is a little different now than it used to be. And he absolutely lost his mind and is trying to fight Gundy at the 50-yard line. So big L to Trace Ford and a big L to Brian Bosworth. You're really bad at talking trash. Somebody who's not bad at talking trash is Brandon Walker from Barstool, who absolutely roasts this guy. He says, the best player in the country might be Ollie Gordon, and 75% of college football fans have no idea who he is. And this OU fan tweets back at him and says he's going to have a real bad week next time. And Brandon Walker says, yeah, he'll probably be exhausted after running for 9,000 yards against your shitty defense. And oh my god, did that send all of OU Twitter into a freaking frenzy. They lost their minds. That it was just disrespectful. Well, let's look at it. Ollie Gordon has rushed for over 200 yards in the past five games. He's won the Doak Walker Award Player of the Week three weeks in a row. He is now on some people's Heisman radar. Oh, and Oklahoma State is the first team, first FBS team in more than two years 
to average 8.5 yards per carry in back-to-back games. Ollie Gordon very well could rush for 300 yards this week. So while it's not the 9,000 that Brandon Walker was talking about, it's still plenty to absolutely dominate your team. And with Stutzman being a game-time decision and a couple other key defensive players and Trace Ford, while he talks a big game, not having a big game, it's very possible. Dude's the best player in college football right now. His best running back, for sure. He leads the nation in every stat. Rushing touchdowns, yards per carry, yards per game, total yards, you name it. Yards after contact, missed tackles forced. Oh, I'm sorry, there's there's one rushing stat Ollie Gordon doesn't lead the nation in, and it's attempts. He has 50 less carries than the guy in second for total yards. Just go win the game. Do what you have done for the last five weeks. Hit the gas, don't stop, and win the game. This team is beatable. Just don't play scared. That's all I ask for. If you throw the kitchen sink at this game and we still lose, so be it. If you play scared in this game and try not to lose and we lose, obviously I'm going to have a problem with that. That I can't accept. But if you give it everything you got and you still lose, so be it. Wouldn't be the first time. But yeah. Ollie Gordon train is going to keep running. I've got Oklahoma State winning this game. That's my pick for the week. The stats have us losing 33-35. They have us giving up 450 yards total offense. Uh, 274 of that is through the air. I don't see that happening. Dylan Gabriel does not have the arm for that. It also has us only rushing for 159 yards. And again, we've rushed for over 200 yards with just Ollie Gordon in the last five games. So, while the stats don't like us, again, because of the way this season started, I've got Oklahoma State winning 31-28. And that's what I got. It's doable. Make it happen. But we'll have to see. I will be there. Boone Pickens is going to be sold out. 230 kicks, 72 and sunny. Slight breeze. It's going to be a beautiful day for, for football. And we all know that Boone Pickens is going to be absolutely insane. And I can't wait. I hope you guys can make it, but if you liked what you heard or you want to find more, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pete's Playbook. Uh, if you want to listen to the pod, it is available on all podcasting platforms as well as on YouTube uh, with all of the pics and graphics and all of that stuff uh, as well. Uh, if you like what you heard, give it a like, give it a follow, tell your friends, tell your family. If you don't like it, let me know why, but until next time. As always, go Pokes, beat OU, and see ya.